welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of the Fertility Conversations. Today, we are joined by a lovely guest, Jessica Williams. Jessica was born and raised outside Chicago, Illinois, but moved to England in 2007 to pursue a master's degree. For many years, Jessica worked in heritage and museums. Her interests always gravitated uh, towards family and children. Her dissertation in her PhD in archeology span explored how we can discover more about children's lives in the ancient past. When Jessica and her husband began trying to have their own family, it was not an easy journey for them. Following many years of infertility, exploratory surgeries, miscarriages, and failed IVF transfers, she and her husband decided to turn to surrogacy using the agency Family Source Consultants. Like many people who have lived with infertility, Jessica became passionate about wanting to help others in similar circumstances, as well as became an advocate for how safe ethical and compassionate surrogacy journeys can be. Instead of going back to museums after her maternity leave ended, she joined the Family Source Consultants to support other intended parents on their journey to parenthood. She is now the International Relations Manager at the Family Source Consultants and feels incredibly privileged to play a small role in helping intended parents from all over the world grow their own families through surrogacy. So welcome, Jessica, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's a huge pleasure to be here. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks. So we usually start off by saying, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've said some about you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, what else about me? So, uh, so yes, I'm Jessica. I'm originally from the States, but I have lived in the UK for 16 years now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, as you mentioned, I came over to do a master's and uh, about five hours after I got off the plane, I met a uh, very handsome uh, British guy with a wonderful British accent who mm. I eventually married. Um, so that's how. Nice. So yeah, <laughs> so I uh, I came over for a year um, of education and fun and adventure and have stayed for a little bit longer than that. That's amazing. Who knew you could, uh, you know, meet someone and then marry them just from going to a master's program. I know. I know. It's, it, it feels a little uh, weird to say, because I'm like, I certainly didn't come over intending to, you know, <laughs> to meet somebody. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool that I met him like literally the first night that I, that I was here. So, and we've had, we've had lots of adventures since then. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and now we live um, a little bit outside of London and um, have two wonderful sons, a mm -hmm. dog who is our firstborn child and very much thinks that he is, <laughs> he should be our favorite child. Um, yeah. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a lot of fun. He was definitely my, uh, my emotional support, mm -hmm. uh, uh, my emotional support dog, my emotional, just my emotional support period yeah. as we were going through all of our, all of our infertility. So 
Thank you for sharing. And speaking about your journey to parenthood, um, please share as much or as little as you'd like to share about your journey. Yeah. So we started trying for a kid. Um, we about a year after we got married. Um, I think like a lot of people, you know, we wanted to enjoy married life and just we we were young. We uh, you know, we were in our late twenties and we assumed that we had plenty of time and it would probably be easy for us. And I, you know, I still remember having that conversation about, yes, you know, like now's the time to start trying. And I kind of ceremoniously threw away my, uh, my contraceptive pills and, and was like, yes, this is going to happen. And then, you know, every month after that, I was just thinking, is this going to be the month? Is this going to be the month? And just thinking like, every, you know, I still remember at one point, it was maybe a couple of months after we started trying, it's like, oh, I have this really weird taste in my mouth and started mm. Googling, like, does that mean that I'm pregnant? And, you know, it's like any little thing yeah. you think and hope could be, um, could be a sign. And, um, you know, for us, it, we, we tried for, um, for probably about a year and it, and it wasn't happening. Um, and we were still at that point, oh gosh, you know, kind of late twenties, early thirties. And, and so I kind of wasn't thinking anything was wrong, but I was talking to my mom and she said, look, I know, you know, I know you guys haven't been trying for, for that long, but I had fertility issues. My sisters had fertility issues. So, you know, maybe just, just go get it checked out and, and see a doctor. Um, and I'm so glad that she recommended it because I know, I know when you're young, they say, you know, try for two years. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, only then go see somebody. But, you know, for those, for those of us who actually need a lot of fertility treatment and it takes years and years and years, that extra year would have been just another year, you know, a horrible extra year. So, um, so we, that kind of started us down the road of, um, of fertility treatments. And, um, at that point we were living up in Scotland so started, you know, started seeing my, talk to my GP, um, I may have fudged the truth a little bit. And when they asked how long we had been trying, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to, you know, just to kind of get those tests, um, and, you know, eventually got referred to the fertility clinic up in Aberdeen and we, um, we did get naturally pregnant once. Um, but I had, it was a pretty rough miscarriage actually. Um, uh, so sorry. Uh, it's okay. It was, um, it, yeah, it, it, it happened at work and I didn't quite know what to do. And, um, yeah, I don't want to get too graphic on the, on the, the thing, but it was, um, yeah, it was, it was challenging, um, physically, emotionally, um, didn't have a lot of support from the, from the NHS up there. I mean, it took about a week before they could get me in for an ultrasound. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, so it was great because we were like, oh yes, we can get pregnant. It's fine. Um, and that's what all the doctors were saying, but then all these tests, you know, we, we weren't, getting pregnant again. And, you know, at this point we'd been kind of like, I'm kind of collapsing time a lot. Um, but they were doing all these tests, not finding anything wrong, not figuring out why we couldn't get pregnant again. 
um, or why it had taken us so long to get pregnant in the first place. Um, and so eventually they, you know, they found some polyps. I had some polypectomies. They eventually referred us for an IVF cycle. Um, and we did, you know, we did our IVF cycle, uh, had, you know, we're creating great embryos and nothing was sticking. And so again, like I said, I'm kind of collapsing time, but at this point we had been, by the time we had finished transferring our last, um, our last embryo, we had been, we'd been trying to get pregnant, I think for, um, like six years at that point. And so we'd had that, you know, just the one, um, you know, the one natural pregnancy with the, with the miscarriage, but then nothing else, nothing from IVF, nothing. And, you know, the doctors, for the doctors that it was that one natural pregnancy where they're like, oh, but you can get pregnant. So it's fine. You can get pregnant. So we should just keep trying and tests aren't finding anything wrong. So, you know, you just like literally need to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And, um, it was really, it was really tough. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just staying exhausting. Yeah. Just to keep telling, to keep repeating the same thing over and over. Yeah. It was exhausting. It felt really defeating. I mean, you, you know what it's like when you devote years to trying to, you know, to get pregnant and Mm -hmm. it takes over your entire life. Um, you know, every, every day you're thinking, okay, where my cycle am I when you're doing, when you're doing IVF, you can't plan anything because you never know when they're going to say, okay, this is the month that you're going to do, you know, your retrieval, or this is going to be your next, um, your next transfer. So you're putting your life on hold. You're putting your body through a lot. I mean, you know, the exploratory surgeries, the transfers, um, you know, doing everything that you can to be healthy, to try and get pregnant, but then also like not put too much stress on your body. And for us as well, we, you know, we, we were fortunate that we lived in Scotland and had, um, had a cycle funded by the NHS. So Scotland now actually funds three cycles, I think, as long as you, yeah, which is amazing. Um, I wish they did that in the rest of England. Uh, so we had one, I think we had one funded cycle when we lived there. Um, but the criteria was quite strict and that included, um, weight criteria. So you had to have a BMI of, um, I think it was 29 or under. And, you know, I've, I'm, your podcast listeners won't be able to see me, but I'm, I'm not like a tiny person. Um, and so I was literally always within like three pounds of not, not being able to continue. And I never knew when they were going to weigh me, I basically spent two years just being absolutely petrified whenever I went in to that fertility clinic, not knowing if what I had eaten the day before was if they were going to weigh me and what I eaten that night before was going to push me over. And they're going to say, actually, sorry, you can't continue with IVF because you need to lose two pounds. Um, Stressful. Oh, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I have not, I mean, it sounds weird, but like go like tr- the thought of going on a scale now. Yeah. It, oh God, no, I can't, I can't do it. I just, I don't want to know because it, it just caused me so much stress and anxiety yeah. and additional fear, like on, you know, on top of trying to become pregnant. Exactly. 
having to worry about that. Um, and you know, to make matters worse, the fertility clinic in Aber- so we were living in Aberdeen. The fertility clinic is on the second level of the maternity hospital. So every oh, every time, break. every time I went in, um, I had to walk in the same door with all these pregnant women who were were standing I- outside with their big bellies outside smoking. How do clinics oh, not get this? Like, I know, I know. What? I went. Oh my goodness. So when, Ugh. oh, so at, at, um, so at Eshray, so for, for all your listeners, Ola and I met a couple of weeks Yay. ago, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> which was wonderful, um, at the European Society for Reproductive Health and Embryology Conference in Copenhagen, um, which was absolutely amazing. I'm so glad I went, um, for many yes. reasons, not the least of which, because I met you, Yay, but I yes. went to a session there where they talked about, you know, patience. And that was one of the things that went, that the speaker was talking about was, you know, how can all these fertility clinics be like literally on top of a hospital? So you have to walk through Eesh. all these pregnant women to go do your IVF cycle. Like it just, oh, boggles my mind. Did, to find that. Did, did they think that's inspiring or something or encouraging? Like, I mean, what's the... I don't know. I'm like, pregnant. I know other people get pregnant. I know. <laughs> I don't have to see them. I don't have to walk by. I don't have to hear their babies. Like I don't, exactly. I have to do that every day. I don't want to do that when I'm going to have more IVF. I just like, I really, I really don't. Anyway, um, now I've just been blab- blabbering on. That's my end my story. No, no. I think um, it's just, you know, the whole journey. And yeah. Sort of and so, um, Oh, and yeah, just constant how, weighing. Yeah, that that weight. Then, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's just. I mean, yeah, it's as as many of your listeners will know, as you know, it just it's just so pervasive in in every element of of your life. Um, and it's it's hard, like it's hard on so many levels. It's just so so hard. And so, again, you know, at this point, it'd been about five or six years into into trying to have kids. Doctors just kept saying do the same thing. There's nothing else that we can do. We're just going to keep doing the same treatment. We're not going to try anything different. It's just a numbers game. I think that's what they said. Like literally it's just a numbers game. We'll keep, we'll put back enough embryo, you know, at some point we'll put back enough embryos and that next one will be the one. But I'm like, but you can't tell me if it's going to be embryo, you know, the the next embryo if it's going to be 10 embryos from now. Um, And, you know, both my husband and I kind of reached a point, um, emotionally in terms of our mental health, uh, me physically, just kind of, you know, going through all of those hormones, all of those treatments, everything like that, where we said, you know, we need to, we need to do something different because we can't, we felt like we were on a hamster wheel, you know, like that poor hamster, just like going over and over and over. Um, And we just, you know, we kind of reached a breaking point and we said, we can't, we just can't do this anymore. Um, we need something to change. We need to do something a little bit different. And what, you know, what is that? Is that going to a different IVF clinic? Um, is that looking in, you know, is that deciding that we're going to adopt? Is that going to be surrogacy? Um, is that going to be, you know, not having kids at all? So, you know, we had some really, soul searching and challenging conversations about what, you know, what we felt was going to be the, the best option for us, you know, as, as a team, excuse me, as a family moving forward. And 
you're doing a lot of research, um, so many Google searches, mm. it's, it's overwhelming the amount of options out there, particularly when you are, um, you know, when you're a, a, you know, dual, um, you know, dual country couple, Exactly. when you're, when you have the options of going to other countries, it's just like literally the whole world opens up, which is great, but wow. it's yeah. so overwhelming. Yeah. Me. Um, so we, excuse me. So we, after, yeah, after a lot of conversations and a lot of soul searching and a lot of, you know, kind of let's go out, see what our options are, um, decided that, um, we, you know, we did want to try and have our own biological kids if we could. Um, and while adoption is an amazing thing for people to do, we, it just wasn't for us at the moment. Um, you know, particularly in the UK where a lot of the kids are being removed from really, um, challenging situations. We just didn't feel that we were, we had the, um, knowledge of how to be the best parents for those, those kids. Um, and you know, for anybody who, who can, that's incredible. And I bow down to them. We just didn't think that we, we would, um, so at that point we thought, right, you know, surrogacy, like that's going to be, that's going to be the option for us. And in part, we were able to make that decision. You know, I'll be very honest. We had, um, support from, from our family, obviously emotional support, but also financial support. Um, and that's one of the, you know, I think for a lot of people, I kind of think surrogacy is for people who have the bank accounts of Kardashians. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's not, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge outlay, but very, but a lot of people and yeah, myself included, don't do it alone, you know, don't do it without help. Um, and so I was very incredibly fortunate that we were able to have that support from other people in our lives, um, to be able to, to pursue it. And so we decided that, yeah, that that was going to be our next step, um, was going to be surrogacy. Yeah. Um, so when, so when we did decide on surrogacy, that then opened up a whole host <laughs> of, of other, of other <laughs> options. And then we had to decide, okay, surrogacy, where are we going to do it? Um, we narrow, you know, we decided to, even though we live in the UK, um, and it is legal in the UK, it's a very different system over here. So, mm-hmm. so for listeners who might not know in the UK, there's altruistic surrogacy, which means that your surrogate can't receive compensation. Um, at the time that we were doing it, there weren't really agencies who were doing, you know, um, kind of that bespoke matching either. So there were a few charities who basically like, there's a wait list to sign up. And then when you finally get to the top of the wait list, you're invited to our like mixers. So you can basically <laughs> go to a giant room of people, some of whom are intended parents and some of whom are surrogates and see who you fit with. And I just thought, oh my God. That just sounds so, so daunting. Yeah. Um, like, so, oh, I mean, I think networking. Like, hi, up. Right. Like to help me. Right. Hi, can you carry my baby? Yeah. Oh, by I the can. way, my name is Jessica. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, it must be working for some, but that's, that must be hard. Oh, so hard. Um, So, so hard. And then, you know, there's also the legal system, right? So in the UK, mm-hmm the way that the legal system currently works is there's no contract between intended parents and surrogates. So there's no guarantee that, you know, that the surrogate will, um, 
my fear going into this as an intended parent was that my surrogate's going to want to keep my baby yeah. and that there's no legal protections. Now, having kind of worked in the industry, I know that actually statistically it's more likely for intended parents to, to not, not want their baby, which yeah. as, as a, as a parent now, I'm just like horrified by it. I can't, I can't imagine. Um, but yeah, so it, it does happen that intended parents have you know, relationship breakdowns, stuff happens where they, um, for whatever reason, decide that they cannot or don't want the baby anymore. Oh, again, I can't even imagine it. But so for in the UK, that's one of the reasons why there's not as many surrogates available because there's no protection for the surrogate. Surrogates aren't doing it because they want a baby. They're, you know, they're, they're doing it because they want to help other people. Um, and then in the UK, you have to get a parental order, um, which can take months after the baby is born. And we just thought, you know what, that is a, that system just doesn't sit right with us personally. I know it works for some people and that's absolutely wonderful. Um, but for me, I wanted, I wanted all the protections in place. I wanted all the protections for myself. I wanted all the protections for my surrogate. I wanted all the protections for my baby. Um, you know, so we, um, so we decided to go to the U S where, you know, it's a, it's a commercial system. Yes. But the industry, and I hate calling it an industry because it makes it sound so, yeah, again, so commercial. So, um, you know, other than what it actually is, but there's all the systems and all the checks and balances in place to make sure that everybody is as protected, um, is as protected as they can be. You know, there's the agencies do screenings. They make sure that surrogates are doing this because they want to, not because they're being forced to do it. Um, obviously compensation is a big deal, but you know, at least the agency that, that we chose family source consultants, you know, nobody's doing it because they need the money. You know, it's, yes, it's a wonderful life-changing amount for people. Um, you know, and, but it's not, it's not the only reason that people do it. Um, you know, but they, you know, there's the contracts and the legal, it basically just for us, made us feel so much more comfortable with this, the thought of having somebody else carry our baby for us and know that we would be protected and that they would be protected and that our baby would be safe at the end of it. And that we'd have the support and guidance of, um, of people. So, yeah, so we decided to do a surrogacy in the U S found family source consultants, chose them as our agency. Um, and two years later, my son was born. <laughs> so it was, yeah, kind of fast forwarding there at the end, but it was, and it was all worth it. And it was all amazing. Um, well, it wasn't all amazing. I mean, there were, there were a lot of, a, a lot of hardships. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I'm still only unpacking now. I mean, my son's almost three and a half and there's a lot of emotions and things that I'm only beginning to, to recognize and allow myself right. to feel now. Um, you know, but, but we made it, we had our son and, you know, to me that, that was whatever I had, whatever I had to go through, that was the happy ending for me. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I think you touched on so many aspects that um, people don't speak about, you know, like infertility, it's just so much the constant worry, thinking about the options, um, 
even for the fertility treatment, there's no guarantees whatsoever. No. So it's it's my it's a lot, and people need support. And again, having family to support you is important. But again, mm-hmm. even like I said, even for surrogacy, that that was number one uh, concern that many intended parents have. The surrogate might not want to give me my baby or babies. Uh, but like you said, even the surrogates are concerned that yeah. what if you don't want the baby anymore? Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly, because it's a you know, it's a long process and, you know, for, for people who are going into this as, as a couple, I mean, I think that going through infertility is one of the biggest tests that you can ever put, you know, one of the biggest stress tests that you can ever put on a relationship. And, um, you know, my husband and I count ourselves really lucky that we were able to, to come out of it the other end, hopefully stronger. Um, but it, it certainly tested us. Um, and I think for, you know, for a lot of, of intended parents, you know, and, and this is no, I'm not saying this to judge. I'm not saying this to like put anybody down, but it's a huge thing. And, and some relationships just, you know, don't, don't come out of it, um, for whatever reason. And so, yeah. So, you know, if you're in the middle of a circus journey, that could be something. I mean, and it's horrible. And and again, that's why in the U.S. there's there's contracts. There's so many different levels in place that protect the surrogate, protect the baby, and protect the intended parents. Um, and yeah, it's. But I was I was shocked to learn that statistically, it's more likely that the intended parents change their change their mind, which yeah, yeah boggles my mind. Yeah. But it's important for people to know the importance of contracts and having an agency support them. Because again, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes because of the cost, people might try to say, well, you know, I know somebody that wants to help me out or someone knows somebody and you try to do it without the agency, but the agency does a lot to actually protect you and ensure that the contracts are there. Because again, people can change their mind on both sides or whatever, things can happen. So having the contracts in place that um, addresses every potential or most potential issues that could arise that's really important exactly I mean my the contract that we had with our surrogate was 56 pages (laughs) wow (laughs) so it's it's not like it's not a short contract it goes through everything um so yeah even if even if somebody has you know knows somebody a a family member a friend a neighbor a friend of a friend who is you know, has said that they're willing to be their surrogate. And, you know, that's absolutely amazing. Um, you, you know, get a contract, you know, whatever, you know, in the U S absolutely you 100% need a contract and it, it should, it will be legal. Um, obviously depending on the, if you're doing surrogacy in another country, you know, if you can get a contract, do it. Um, but yeah, having that, the support, I mean, the way that I talking to intended parents now, when they're considering surrogacy journeys, it's very much, you, you need a team behind you, you know, Mm -hmm. and yes, having the support of family and friends is so vital for your emotional health. Um, because even in the best case scenario, your, your surrogacy journey is going to be over a year. I mean, on average, most at you know, at the, at family source consultants, 
most of our most of our journeys are between 18 months and, and two years because there's so much that has to happen yeah. from our perspective before a surrogate can even go through an embryo transfer to try and get pregnant. Um, but you know, so it's it's a long journey and family and friends are vital, but they don't have the knowledge of of there's so many moving parts in a surrogacy journey. There's so many pe- different people that are involved from the surrogate to the lawyer to the psychologists to the fertility clinics to um you know getting parental orders making sure that the hospital knows um you know knows everything in advance scheduling all those appointments i mean it's a it's a full time job i mean that like we literally have people who it is their full time job <laughs> yeah. to manage you know to manage surrogacy journeys um so yeah it you know if you if you can my absolutely work with a good agency, a reputable agency who has that experience and that know-how um, of, of exactly what it takes to make a surrogacy journey positive. Because the last thing that you want as a parent is, you know, you're putting all this time and emotions and money yeah. into it. And things, you know, if things go wrong, you want people on your, on your, team who are going to know how to fix it immediately. Exactly. Excuse me. Exactly. Which is pretty interesting. I mean, thank you. You highlighted so many important parts. And the fact that it is important to ensure that you have a contract and have an agency, um, people that have a better understanding of the whole process and things that could go wrong. So after your own, you working with family sales consultants as you know, helping you find a surrogate and having your uh, first child, you then decided to work with them. Yeah. What was, yeah. What was the what was the inspiration behind that? That's really interesting. It was, um, it, you know what? It was just so serendipitous. And I, I, I mean, I challenge anybody who has gone through infertility, has gone through surrogacy, anything like that, not to be really passionate mm. about it. Um. I mean, you know, look at this amazing community that, that you've started through, you know, through your own experiences. Um, so I, like, I know, you know what I'm talking about and it's, um, so for me, it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, there were a few parts to it. Um, one was being in the UK in Europe. Well, sadly not in Europe anymore, but near Europe. Um, (laughs) and knowing that surrogacy, over on this side of the ocean doesn't have the same, there's a lot of negative connotations to it, I think, because in previous years, there has been a lot of really awful surrogacy stories. A lot of people going to places where sadly exploitation did happen. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot of resistance and, and, push back to that. Now, I will very clearly state that nobody should ever be exploited. Um, you know, so that somebody else can have a baby. That is not what surrogacy should be about or can be about. And, you know, exploitation is something very different than surrogacy and some, you know, it sadly sometimes overlaps, but it it as it does in a lot of different um different spheres, but I think because those horrible those horror stories tend to get the media attention mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people see and because it's illegal or not allowed 
even if it's not illegal in a lot of countries. Um, that's all that people know about it. So I wanted to try and become as much of an advocate for doing it safely and ethically and considerately as I as I could. Um, because I hadn't known anybody who was doing a surrogacy journey before this started. I'd never met anybody who'd done it. Um, and while I was in it, I, you know, I did have some friends who um it turned out um, you know, were well, that's how they were also pursuing their surrogacy journey, um, mostly same-sex couples. Um, but so, you know, whenever I was talking to to friends, they'd be like, you know, they had no idea what it was about. I mean, God, I think somebody actually asked my husband and I don't know if they were doing, if they were joking, mm-hmm. they actually asked him if he got to like have sex with the surrogate. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, what? This is not Handmaid's Tale. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, this, you know, this is all like very, this is so clinical. There is nothing sexual about this at all. <laughs> like, Oh my, that's so crazy. I know. I know. That was, and like I said, I don't, I still don't, he doesn't, he, he's never told me he was actually asked him that, but to this day, I don't know if they were, if they were joking or if they were kind of like, how does this, how does yeah. this actually work? You know? Um, yes. To your listeners, it's not Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not what happened here. <laughs> definitely not happened. Definitely, definitely not what happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there was there was that. <laughs> um, but I also, you know, as as somebody who had gone through it and had a generally really great experience with the agency, you know, there were a few things that had not necessarily worked out as great for us as international parents, um, as it probably would have for for people who are coming from the US. And so I, you know, was I was chatting with um, so Family Source Consultants was founded um, by an intended mom. She had gone through surrogacy and wanted to found an agency. And she was the one who we'd reached out to and spoken with. So I had been emailing her just to give her, you know, she'd, she'd asked how our journey went. So, you know, just yeah. providing some feedback, um, which was like, you know, not every company actually wants that feedback or like implements those changes, yeah. which was really gratifying. But I you know, one of the suggestions I said was, look, it would have been really helpful for us to have somebody within the agency who had, yes, who had gone through it. And that's one of the reasons why we chose Family Source um, was because like, you know, it's usually about 75% of the staff have either been intended parents or surrogates, or, you know, they've been through the journey themselves. But at that point, there wasn't anybody who had been through it as an international parent. And I said, you know, so yes, having all those people who've been through it were great, but there were some specific international elements for us that would have just been really helpful to have somebody with that personal knowledge. And Stacy asked um, if I'd be willing to do it, which was amazing, um, you know, absolutely amazing and, and really gratifying. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how it started. <laughs> and that's amazing, right? So to, to for anyone thinking of that or exploring that option now getting to speak to you it makes a whole lot of difference right speaking to someone who totally understands the entire process knows exactly what their feelings or concerns will be as an international uh surrogacy uh, surrogacy procedure so it's i hope so yeah it's amazing because you again when you're going through any part of this any part you choose 
knowing someone who's been there is really important. And you can't really, you can't really express how helpful it is for the person because I mean, there's so many unknowns. Hmm. So any form of information or help or guidance, it's so helpful. Yeah, I hope so. And I think, you know, for me, it's about not just providing that factual information because yeah, I, you know, I, I can certainly do that. And there's certain, con- you know, for, so for example, for international parents who are going to the U S for surrogacy, they need health insurance for their right. baby. Right. Ah. You know, and so that's something that a lot of domestic, you know, domestic parents would never consider because a, a, a U.S. parent has health insurance that their baby's going to go on to. Um, but for international parents, you have to think, OK, I need insurance for my baby. When do I get it? Who do I get it for? All that stuff. And, you know, yeah. so it's just so even when you're talking to international parents before they start their surrogacy journey, there's just little things that that are different about those conversations that you need to have and to how to prepare them. But also, and what I, what I really hope is most helpful to the, to the parents that I, that I work with is just them knowing that there's somebody who's done this internationally before, who understands those additional hoops that they have to jump through and those additional emotions that might be attached. Um, And, you know, to be quite honest, it's. I, I love helping anybody who need you know, who wants to be a parent, regardless of why you're turning to surrogacy, right? You know, whether you're a same-sex couple, whether you're a single dad, whether you're um, a heterosexual couple who's been through infertility, um, whether you're a single mom who, uh, you know, who needs an addition, need, you know, can't carry herself. Um, but I think particularly, uh, I'm very... <clears throat> privilege to speak to a lot of amazing people, but I think particularly those who have been through really traumatic um, fertility, you know, stories, I hope that I can help by sharing some of the emotions that I went through and sharing kind of some of those ups and downs and, you know, just letting them know that they're not alone in that and that all you know yes like I had an amazing positive journey it wasn't all smooth sailing you know we definitely had ups and downs but even though at the end of the day you know I was I I I had my son you know and for me that was that was the most amazing moment you know there were still a lot of um really really challenging emotional parts of it that came off of having to do surrogacy because of infertility. Um, so I, this is my very long-winded way of saying, yeah, I just, I hope that me sharing that story with people makes them feel not alone and lets them know that those emotions that they're going through, those fears that they have, those concerns are completely valid and they're not the only people who have had them and it's okay to have them and still have a wonderful experience. and come out the other end of it with you know with your baby so important thank you for sharing that 
And for anyone listening about uh, Family Source Consultants, I mean, you noted that your international, uh, your role is to help international potential intended parents. Mm-hmm. But for anyone thinking of using your agency, what services do you provide? Yeah, the, so, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So we are, um, yeah, so as a surrogacy agency, we are there to help intended parents from this, you know, from the time that they start considering surrogacy to at least six months after their baby is born. Um, you know, so we, there's a lot of things that we do in-house in the agency. And then we also, things that we don't necessarily do ourselves, we have, you know, incredible networks of people and um, professionals who do it. So, at the agency, what we'll do is we will match you with a surrogate. Um, so think of us, you know, kind of like our first role is as a matchmaker. So we want to make sure that you are going to be working with the right surrogate for you. So we understand what your criteria for a surrogate is. You'll have a fertility clinic in the U.S. So we are we don't have an in-house fertility clinic. So we work with um, fertility clinics all over the U.S. So we can, if you, if intended parents need fertility, a fertility clinic, we can make those introductions and those recommendations, um, you know, make sure that they're working with the best fertility clinic for, for themselves. Um, so yeah, so we, we match, um, intended parents with their surrogates and it's a, it's a really hands-on, um, like bespoke matching process. We have a whole team of, of match managers who will do that. And then once intended parents and surrogates are are matched, they work with a case manager who is basically the best way I can describe it is they the their case manager will project manage their their journey. So ensuring that intended parents and surrogates are being taken care of, it's actually pretty intensive the work that they do to make sure that the surrogate does everything necessary. So you know they're the one who's scheduling travel for the surrogate to get to the clinic, making sure that they're liaising with the fertility clinic on all the tests that need to happen, um, getting the surrogate there for all her appointments, et cetera. When it comes time to doing that contract, which we were talking about, we'll introduce you to to lawyers. So again, we don't have an in-house legal team because we feel that it's a conflict of interest. We want intended parents and surrogates to have their own uh, representation to make sure that they have like their own 100, you know, advocate. 100 percenters, but we recommend them because, you know, we, we have those contacts, we know them, but it's, we, what we want to do is walk that balance of making sure that intended parents and surrogates have all the information and education and uh, referrals necessary for them to make the best choice for them. Right. Um, You know, so that's a lot of, of what we do. But anyway, it's making sure that those contracts get signed. So chasing up lawyers because we all know I, no lawyers. I have lots of lawyers in my family. Love them dearly. <laughs> Sometimes it takes an extra email or two to uh <laughs> to get them going. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, just making sure that everybody is feeling supported and knows what's happening and is doing what anything that needs to happen throughout the journey. Um, and as I said, you know, our work doesn't really end until it certainly doesn't end when the baby is born. Usually, um, 
a journey, you know, it's what we call what, what what we what we call it, but a journey isn't officially um quote unquote closed <laughs> until yeah. at least six months after the baby is born, just to make sure that all the paperwork is is finalized, all the bills are paid, everything is wrapped up. But for us, it's kind of, you know, once, once you're a member, once you're an intended parent or surrogate with, with family source, you're part of our family forever. Um, so, I mean, I love, even, even though I work for FSC now, I mean, I still get, um, from my case manager and I know she doesn't do this just for me. She does this for everybody, <laughs> you know, but I'll get like little happy birthday, um, cards Aww, for my, for my son's birthday and everything like that. So yeah, it's, it's lovely. It's a, it's a really wonderful team. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And people can access family source consultants from anywhere across the globe. Exactly. So all of our surrogates and egg donors, because we also do have an egg donation site, but all of our surrogates and egg donors are in the U.S., reside in the U.S. Um, because of the the legal structure. So we only work with surrogates in the U.S. Um, because we want to, you know, we, the legal structure we feel is just is the best in the world. We have all those resources to make sure that it's safe for everybody. But as an intended parent, you can come from anywhere in the globe. So we have worked with um, parents from 35 countries and counting. Yeah. Um, Which is, which is amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely amazing. And most of those parents come from places where surrogacy is, you know, not accessible Mm -hmm. in their, in their home country and they, you know, but they deserve to have a baby too. So, yeah. And since you mentioned that you also have egg donors, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of highlight what other services like do you provide? And even with the surrogacy, are there different options or like packages for the surrogacy options as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we so we offer the our surrogacy services. So, you know, it's a surrogacy agency. So that's matching with your surrogate, facilitating your journey, project managing your journey. We also do have an egg donation um, division. So we have, most of our donors are fresh. It's for fresh donation. Um, but we have a, a database that you can that you can access for free online. You can just sign up for a username and password. Um, and it gives you access to see all of our, all of our donors. So we currently have about 160 donors available um, from lots of, lots of different backgrounds. But it's not mutually exclusive. So we have a lot of people who are recipient parents, so who don't need, you know, don't need a surrogate, but are using an egg donor who are able to, who find an egg donor um, through us. We have some parents who use both egg donors and surrogates through us. And then we have some intended parents who have found their egg donors elsewhere, but still use our surrogacy services. So, you know, we don't, we don't require anybody to use anything of ours, <laughs> if it's, right. if it's not the right fit for them. Um, in terms of surrogacy packages, there are different options. I mean, you know, the U S is, is the gold standard, um, in, in surrogacy simply because of the protections that it offers the, you know, the support, this, the structure that there is in the U S. Um, right. it is also, you know, there's no, if, there's no two ways about it. It is also probably the most expensive destination to do surrogacy. Um, and there's, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, one is because of the compensation structure in the U S so surrogates are given a compensation. Although, um, I was speaking with a, with a fertility doctor, um, a couple of weeks ago and he actually pulled out his calculator to do 
to do the calculations. And, and we calculated that over the, if a pregnancy lasts 38 weeks, then yeah. the surrogate, um, with the average compensation, you know, at the moment, um, that we offer is only earning $7 and 50 cents an hour for each hour that she's pregnant. That doesn't include all of the time running up to it and all the time afterwards. So that's not a lot. It's not a lot when you break it down like that. Um, but you know, um, it, it, there is that compensation structure in the U.S. Um, you know, but also you're paying for people to, you know, to work on your project for two years, right? If you think about it like that, you're paying, yeah. you're paying for your team. So, um, you, you know, I think people do need to. Yes, it is expensive, but there is there's a really valid reason why. Yeah, yeah. And when you think about it, like you said, you know, with the fertility doctor calculating that $7.50 an hour, it's not a lot. No. Because I think we just think about the total amount. Yeah. You don't think about it's, I mean, 38 weeks, like you said, but then there's also time before that, you know, mm-hmm. the monitoring's done before the transfer is actually done, all yeah. that you do to get your body ready. And of course, even after the baby's born, there's still aspects of themselves yeah. that needs monitoring even afterwards so it is a lot but I think looking at it and getting the whole picture helps people to understand that the money um is not an overpayment you cannot say that it's um a valid cost I think of what you're actually doing yeah I, I think so and I I hope so and I think you know for us as an agency that's something that's really important um, to make sure people understand where, where that money, you know, that, that is, it is a lot of money when you look at the, the total cost, um, you know, and, and I have it. So, you know, for, for a U.S. surrogacy journey, you know, at the lower end, working with an agency, working with a fertility clinic, working with a surrogate who's paying compensation, you know, you are probably at the very lowest end, you are probably looking at about 110,000 U.S. dollars you know, if you need an egg donor, you know, right. all that, it, it can go up more, particularly if you're having twins. Um, yeah. you know, so, um, if you're using, excuse me, if you're using, utilizing an egg donor, needing to create embryos from, from scratch, um, you know, potentially needing a few transfers before you achieve a pregnancy, you know, it could, it could go up to 200, 215,000 us dollars. So again, I, say this knowing very well that it's a huge amount of money, a huge amount of money. Um, and so for that, that's one of the things that we try and do is just is break it down a little bit and kind of try and help intended parents understand where that money is going and actually why a lot of those costs are are what they are and what they're, Mm -hmm. and yeah, and, and how they're needed or what, you know, what they're, what they're needed for. So in terms of us, um, at our agency, we have three different packages that intended parents can choose from. Um, one is a fixed cost package, which includes pretty much everything that you would need for your journey. It's almost like a, it's as close to a guarantee as we can, as we can get, um, excuse me. And then we have two other options, which are, which are more, a la, a la carte option. So you pay an agency fee um, to us and then you pay providers individually for things. So for example, you would pay your lawyer um, individually for 
every time your surrogate needs to travel, if she needs a plane ticket, you'd be paying for that plane ticket, whatever the cost is, as opposed to having it all bundled in a, all bundled in a package. Um, so we have those three different options because while the total cost at the end might be very similar, we know that every intended parent has a slightly different um comfort level in terms of how they manage their own budget. Um, And we don't want to necessarily be too prescriptive in saying you have to pay for this upfront. You don't have to pay for that. Um, You know, so that's, that's why we do options, but there are certain things that intended parents should know. So for example, um, in the U S the compensation for your surrogate will be placed in an escrow account. Um, So that's held by a lawyer or kind of like a legal service. Um, and it's separate from your agency. It's separate from your surrogate, everything like that. But all of your surrogate's compensation, and this is not just at our agency, this would be at any ethical good agency in the US. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but all of your surrogate's compensation would be placed in that escrow account before a pregnancy happens. Now, surrogates don't receive all the compensation before pregnancy. Usually, again, you know, and, and with us, it, your surrogate is not paid until heartbeat starts, and then she's paid throughout the pregnancy. For us, right. it's 10 equal installments. But all of that money needs to be there before pregnancy happens, because we need to protect our surrogates as much as our intended parents, right? We need to make sure that that money is is accessible in case a pregnancy happens. So I think, you know, yes, there's ways to manage the manage the payment structure to make sure that you're not paying all of it at once. But I think intended parents, as they're as they're considering this, do need to be aware that a lot that most of the you know most of the budget needs to be available certainly before an embryo transfer happens. Not necessarily all of it, but but a lot of it. But again, like you said, it's a journey, and it takes uh, on average perhaps a couple of years so people can also plan uh, after the first consultation um, in advance on what they need to get ready. Exactly. Yeah. And so for us, um, our agency fee, whichever, regardless of which package you choose, we, you know, we stagger it in three payments. So at the moment, our average time to match intended parents with a surrogate, because we do this hand-selected matching process, our average time is six months. So even from the time that you decide that you want to start the matching process with us, and that's when your first payment is due, you'll you'll have a number of months before the second payment is even due. So it's so yeah, intended parents should not feel that they have to have all of the money or even any of the money waiting, you know, in their bank account when they when they have a consultation with us. And actually, you know, yes, we work with a lot of intended parents who they call us and they're like, right, we're ready to go. We want to move forward quickly. But we've worked with some intended parents who, you know, it's take, you know, it's taken them five or six years to save up to get the finances right. from the time that we first speak to them to the time that they're ready to move forward. And we appreciate that. We understand this. Like, you know, like I said, most of us at the agency have been through this in one form or another. We certainly don't have all those zeros in our bank account. I know I don't. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and and it takes, you know, it it does for a lot of people, it's, it's not something that they're able to start necessarily straight away unless they've considered it and hopefully have a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's good to know as well that, you know, there is our option as well of uh, a bit of instrumental uh, payments as yeah. well. And I think it, it really does help the fact that many people at the consultant and the agency have a good understanding of what the process is. That really helps because, you know, they understand the fears, the concerns, they understand that the money is a lot, but they also know how there are options on how to make it happen or take your time or, um, I think that really makes a difference. Yeah, it certainly did for me. And I'll be honest, that was one, I mean, there were a few reasons that we chose Family Source as the agency to work with. I mean, we spoke to, you know, we spoke to multiple agencies, which I, I, I would recommend to most intended parents, if you're starting at your, in your surrogacy journey, speak yeah. to a few people, unless you have family or friends who have been through this and they have an agency that they just like so heartily recommend, because again, this is a long journey. This is a, this, this is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. Um, and this agency that you're going to be working with along with all the other professional team members that you, that you build up and put together, you're going to be working with them for probably two years. You know, you, you want it to be the right fit. You want to speak, you know, you, you want to make sure it's right for you. And what was right for us when we were choosing our agency was knowing that we were working with people who had not only the professional capabilities to, you know, to manage our journey and to manage it when we were in a different country, but that they would understand that emotional side. Yes. And would know that if we were being a bit, uh, <laughs> I know I'm trying to think of the nicest word, you know, but that, that it was going to be emotional and to understand yeah. that, you know, if we were maybe like sharp or said something wrong, that it wasn't necessarily because we were horrible people. It's because we were yeah. going through it and they could, they could empathize on that really personal yeah. level. Um, yeah. And for me, I just found such comfort in that. Um, yeah. And, and in knowing that the people who work there could really understand it and, and get it from that side as well. Yeah. So important. So for the listeners, anyone trying to reach out to family source consultants, what's the best way or what to do if you want to reach out or connect oh my gosh. you. There's there's so many ways to contact us. Um so we so you can always reach out to me um at my personal email address which is really long so I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast but <laughs> <laughs> okay I can put it I can That's put it in the notes. <laughs> put it in the link. <laughs> it's um jessica.williams at familysourceconsultants.com. Um That's easy. Which, which is hopefully it's long, but hopefully it's easy. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to our website and we have lots of like contact us options. Um, we are also on all social media channels. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, you know, uh, so there's, there's lots of ways to, to get in touch with us. Right. And just to ask, actually, because I know that you said you have quite a few options and uh, some parents or individuals looking at surrogacy might already have their embryos uh, created already, perhaps mm -hmm. even in another country. Can they still try? I know most of your surrogates, like you said, and donors are in the States, but can people ship in their embryos from overseas to a clinic in, this, in the States and then use one of your surrogates? Mm -hmm. The short answer is yes. 
Right. Uh, yeah. So the short answer is, is yes, usually. Um, the longer answer is there's, you know, not every clinic will accept embryos created overseas. So it's a really right. good idea to reach out to us because we can, we can introduce you to the clinics that will. Uh, right. Um, intended parents should also know that there are, um, there are tests which are required by the U.S. government called the, the FDAs. Um, and those are basically blood tests or not just blood tests, but it's, it's tests to, to make sure that if you are transferring tissue, so in this case, whether it's your sperm or your egg, um, an embryo to another person, your surrogate, that everything is safe. Um, so if you've already created those embryos, you will need to do those FDA tests retrospectively. Right. Um, so again, not, you know, there are some clinics who um, have that capability um, and are able to ensure that the, that the right tests take place, you know, either overseas um, or occasionally you might have to, excuse me, travel to the U.S. for the test, but, but usually right. you can do it overseas. But yeah, just contact us. There's, there's usually a way. Good to know. So I think it's important for people to just reach out to you. Yeah, uh, because again, you can guide them and answer many questions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I think you know that's the everybody's the everybody comes to us with a really unique story or you know a unique set of circumstances, and so for us, one of the really you know one of the big keys for us to be able to help people is just to have that network in place of people of other professionals within the industry, whether it's clinics, whether it's lawyers you know, whoever it is to make sure that we are able to help intended parents, even in um, more unique circumstances or more challenging circumstances. So yeah, just reach out to us. We, you know, have, I don't think we, sorry, let me rephrase that. We'll help you find a way. We don't, we don't want you to waste your precious embryos, Yeah, (laughs) but I would also add that if you are considering a journey in the U S um, but want to make your embryos abroad, that is absolutely fine. Ideally contact us with a few, a few months before you do it so that we can, it's always easier to do the tests in advance rather than retrospectively. So if you have not created embryos yet, but are planning to, and think you might want to use them in the U S just reach out. Um, and so we can help you as soon as we can, as, as quickly as we can. Great. Thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. What about for uh, a mental aspect, actually, for single men or single women, mm-hmm. uh, considering surrogacy, is that an option? Are you able to help or do they need to be married or? No, nope, they can absolutely be single parents. Okay. Um, so the way that it works in the U.S. is, although the U.S. itself is a really great um, place to do surrogacy because of the legal structure, mm-hmm. every state has its own specific set of laws mm-hmm. regarding surrogacy and who can get what kind of parental um, parental order, who can go on the birth certificate, et cetera. So, right. you know, we have helped we have helped intended fathers who are using their own sperm and an egg donor. We have helped intended mothers using um, their own egg and sperm donors. We've helped single parents and actually, um, you know, uh, part, you know, two parents who are using right. both an egg 
and a sperm donor, as well as a surrogate. All of those combinations are possible, um, or, or a single parent using both an egg and a sperm donor. Um, all those combinations are possible. We just need to know what that combination is so we can make sure that you are working with a surrogate who lives in a state where the legal system is appropriate to your circumstances. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, that's very important. And that's okay. good to know, right? Because you, yeah, because every state has their own different laws. So it's important to find the friendly right. uh, states. Exactly. And some states, and some states which are considered friendly. So for example, Florida is considered generally a, a friendly state for a lot of people. Um, but actually, if you are an unmarried couple or a single parent, you can still do surrogacy, but you're actually going to go through an adoption. It's technically a pre-planned adoption process rather oh, than wow. a surrogacy process. So the end result is the same. It's still going to be your baby. You're still, you know, and everything. But for some parents, that makes a huge difference, particularly if they're international yeah. and have to show documentation. Exactly. For passports and stuff. For passports, you know, for yeah. citizenship in their own country or in their home country. Um, you know, for a lot of countries, they can't have gone through an adoption process for it to have been yeah. considered their their baby. So we, you know, we need to know all of that information before we're matching with a surrogate because if any of those apply, we don't yeah. want to match you with a surrogate in Florida because that's really not going to be a good state for you. Exactly. It might be a wonderful state for somebody else, but yeah. not not for your circumstance. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you need a different state. State, yeah. Wow. So much to know. And so much, I mean, <laughs> I guess so many things <laughs> that you might not think about. And it's, uh, it gets reason why it's so important to be speaking to the professionals and people that are aware they're very knowledgeable about the whole process because you just might not realize all of this until yeah. you get into it so yeah yeah sir so your service there's oh my gosh there's so I, I love a good metaphor and there are so many um amazing metaphors for service your journey but one is kind, one might be that that's like a five thousand piece puzzle <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But again, using the using having people that know what mm -hmm. to do and what could potentially happen. Yeah. Is really helpful. So because you, you don't need to know it all. You just need yeah. to get the people that do. And that's that <laughs> yeah, Ola, that is that is absolutely the key. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to you don't need to know it all. And this is what yeah. I always tell intended parents when I speak to them. It's like I'm gonna share so much information with you right now. Yeah, you're going to look like that emoji with your head like exploding <laughs> because it's gonna be so overwhelming. And I know that and I'm gonna try not to do it, but that usually ends up happening. But you also need to know that you don't actually need to retain, like you don't need to retain yeah. a lot of this information. <laughs> It's not something that you have to worry about because we worry about it for you. We want you to be informed. We want you to know that it's happening and this is yeah. what's going on behind the scenes, but you don't actually need to worry about it because that's, that's yeah. what we're here to do. Um, exactly. Yeah. And you know, and, and yes, it's logistics. It's all, you know, knowing when to do it and how to do it and where to do it. But it's also stuff like relationship management, right? You know, because yeah. Obviously, in a perfect world, everybody in their surrogate would have a really good relationship and it would go smoothly. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, sometimes things happen. You know, it's it's a really emotional journey for everybody involved. And so also having 
that um, those advocates, that support system who can, you know, who, who can deal with those challenging conversations to make sure that you and your surrogate continue to have a good relationship um, is, is so vital. So it's, it's everything, Um, you know, there's just so many facets and it's really important to have that, to have that team support around you. Yeah, so well said. And like I mean, like you said, even for the support, because sometimes as an intended parent or just anybody, you might say something to the surrogate or you feel the surrogate meant something, but then having someone else to speak to about it and person, yeah. I mean, you uh, having your team and person could probably be like, well, I don't think that's what they meant, you know, perhaps this is, you know, just, just someone to like a sounding board as well, like, oh, okay, okay, I, I, I get it now. Perhaps that's yeah. not what happened, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, you know, as an intended parent, you know, there, one of the things that you have to do in a surrogacy journey is, I hate to say it, you have to surrender some control, you know, mm-hmm. you cannot control everything, yeah. um, which is really hard for, uh, for so many of us, particularly those of us who've gone through infertility, yeah. because we've already lost so much control, control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um, to then have to give up more control. is just, oh, it is, it is, it's like a gut punch sometimes. Um, but it was interesting. I, so family source consultants has, it's, we, we do our own podcast as well. Um, and I was doing a podcast a couple of months ago, an episode with our, um, you know, one of our case managers who had worked at, at family source for, I think like seven years at that point. And, um, we were talking, you know, we had a whole podcast about the relationship and how to build a good relationship, positive relationship with your surrogates. And I, and I asked her at the end, I said, you know, you've seen it all. You've been, you've been a case manager for seven years. You've literally helped hundreds of people. When does it go wrong? Like what, you know, is there one thing that you can pinpoint that means that it's going to be really challenging or like, you know, it's, it's non-retrievable. And she said that only once in her seven years, I'm going to paraphrase this probably really badly, um, you know, has, have, has the relationship deteriorated to such a point that, um, you know, that the intended parents and the surrogates just couldn't, couldn't speak to each other. Cause most of this, I mean, that's what the case manager should do. Right. You know, if, if, if there's ever any issue, as you say, if there's any, if there's ever any doubt, any confusion, any, I don't know how to talk to this. I don't know. Yeah. Talk to my surrogate. I don't know how to interpret what they said. You know, you should go to the case manager, but she said that this one time it was that the intended parents tried to control the surrogate so much, like literally down to everything that like every meal oh, my. Um, that she was just like, I can't, like, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to do everything, you know, like she was pregnant, right? She's like, yeah. I'm going to take care of this baby the best way that I know how, and I'm going to do everything that I can to take care of this baby while I'm carrying it. I cannot speak to the intended parents directly anymore because they are just so overbearing it's making my life miserable and it was oh yeah and and so that she that was the advice that this case manager had for intended parents you know like trust your surrogate trust the support system and it's hard it's so hard yes but let go of some control and if you can't go to your case manager exactly professional don't go to your surrogate yeah find someone to chat with yes exactly (laughs) yes exactly because your surrogate's already doing so much for you You don't want to like nitpick exactly that she's doing and that's the thing you know all of our so so one of our requirements is that all of our surrogates have to have gone through a good pregnancy they have to be raising their child they've done this before they know how to do it so you know 
like, I, I appreciate that some intended parents are like, no, I want, you know, I want our surrogate <laughs> to only eat organic food and, you know, do yoga three days a week and all that. And it's like, yes, that's great. But she's like, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a great pregnancy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. It's one of those things. I think it's just, you know, again, I think having the people that have gone through this process helps because then if you're saying those things you can say yes I understand why you might want to control the food mm-hmm. or control that but really maybe not and perhaps why this is not you know necessary right. you know things like that so again they understand yeah you know <laughs> the concerns yeah. that might be happening. Under- yeah they understand the concerns they understand the fears the worries yeah. but also there's like there's definitely certain points in a journey where I think the emotions are, are higher and it's more stressful. And I'm, you know, a lot of it is the same as, as pregnancy, right? Like it's before, before a big scan, like, you know, trying like, you know, at big parts, but I mean, one of the things that I always tell intended parents is actually for, for me, I think for a lot of our intended parents, matching process is the hardest because you just have to sit and wait, (laughs) you know, and it's like, you're so excited. You finally decided to do this. You're ready to go. And then you just have to sit back and wait wait. and wait. (laughs) It's so hard. It's so, so hard. And emotions run high and you just want to get going. And, (laughs) And, you know, just, but understanding stuff like that and remembering back to like, oh my God. Yeah. I remember when I you know, was in like month five of waiting for my surrogate match. I literally would check my email five times a day, just being like, do we have a match yet? Do we have a match yet? Yeah. Do we have a Did match? my phone yeah. ring? Did I miss yeah. a call? Did I- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. But yeah, so having people, having people on your team who understand that and can completely empathize and almost have a laugh about it with you and, yeah. you know, try and like relieve some of that tension, I think is, is so invaluable. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with um, anyone listening that we might have touched that, but you think is really important? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, I think what I would say is for anybody who's thinking about surrogacy, you know, just, just reach out, whether it's to us and we would obviously love to love to help and love to chat, you know, but it's, I think it can be surrogacy when it's done right is a beautiful way to have a child um because you have this whole community this whole support system you you know your child is so loved by so many people um before they even get here so i do think it's a really beautiful thing but i also think it's incredibly important for intended parents to know that it is complex logistically emotionally <laughs> Um, so it's really important to have, have that great team around you, um, who can help you do it safely and ethically and legally and make sure you're doing it all right. And to try and take this as much stress off of you as possible, because I mean, and so this is one of the the things that I still struggle with is that, you know, having gone through so much infertility when it finally came time to do the surrogacy journey. I mean, like I said, you know, it wasn't like we had a few blips, but it was generally a really positive journey. Um, 
Um, but it was also really hard for me to be really excited about it at the time until we got closer to the end because I didn't think it was actually happening. Not that I didn't think it was actually happening, but I couldn't let myself be excited about it because of all of the, you know, the infertility trauma, um, that I had, that I had gone through. And, um, I mean, like I said, at the the very beginning, I'm still unpacking a lot of it. And that's one of the things that I am unpacking is, um, you know, not being able to be really excited, but you also don't want to add so much extra stress that you don't need to on top of all of the stuff that you're already going to be going through. So, um, you know, if you can have that amazing team around you to be helping you do it in the best way possible, it lets you focus as much as you can on, you know, having that a great relationship with your surrogate. And I mean, you know, my surrogate was incredible. She's like an angel on earth as far as I'm, as far as I, um, I'm concerned. And, um, you know, we still tech, my son's three and a half. I met her five years ago, you know, over five years ago when we were matched, we still text all the time. Um, you know, we're going to go see her hopefully next year. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I'm, so it can be an incredibly positive thing. Just have that team around you to make sure that it can be as positive as it can be, that you have that support, that you know what you're doing. Um, and that you do your research and make sure that you feel really comfortable and educated about all the decisions that that you are making. Because at the end of the day, this is this is your journey, and you want to look back on it as positively as you can. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jessica. It Thank you. Been, for ha- yeah, it's been amazing having you on here. I think that um, you have definitely enlightened and educated us all. Um, I mean, thank you for sharing your story, your personal journey. Uh, we're thankful that you now have two wonderful boys. Um, thank you for sharing your, your path to parenthood and raising awareness about, and also destigmatizing a lot of factors that people or things that people think about when considering surrogacy. Because again, like you said, uh, sometimes the bad information gets out there, gets more awareness what people hear in such positive stories and journeys like yours is also really important so that people know that surrogacy is a beautiful path to parenthood if that's an option that you have to consider or you're considering. But thank you as well for highlighting the importance of having an agency because again, one of the reasons why some of those bad stories happened was because there wasn't a good agency behind supporting the families involved and there wasn't a contract and there wasn't proper advice about the whole process. So thank you for educating us all about that. I think that's definitely really important. So thank you for highlighting that. And uh, uh, we really appreciate you coming on here today to enlighten us and uh, to share your journey as well. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, um, it's been an absolute privilege and you know, for, for all of your wonderful listeners, you know, it's, it, it's hard, um, but know that there are people out there who, who are here to support you, um, whatever path you choose to, you know, to build your family. Yeah. There's, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of options and people who, who are there and who understand the choice, the hard choices that you're making. Thank you so much, Jessica.
Thank you. It's been having, it's been having you on here and we look forward to having you again in the near future. Great, can't wait. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.